Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to the Backyard Tabletop. Every time I try and do that, I try to scare Curtis. That's my goal every time. I was okay. And I like to try and change it up. Was that was that pretty was that too loud do you want me to, i'll i'll bring it down maybe a little bit next week but this i'm excited i'm excited about this one curtis i'm just i'm just ready to go uh because um well one we have like like five episodes up on the the interwebs ish at this point i think it's five um well when this one comes out it'll probably be five or six uh but at this point in time we we have um we are really on top of our numbers here <laughs> it, it gets a little bit tricky when we have re- we're, we're recording more than like in my backlog i have more but then actually yeah. posted a certain amount and then we're recording more so it's it's a little bit tricky yep. yeah um you know, once once we're millionaires and I have seven editors, I'll definitely have my numbers down. But till then, <laughs> all <laughs> we're just right. gonna have to be all jumbled. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just how it goes. Yeah, it's just how it goes. Um, we we kind of have our format. We've we've. I mean, well, we we learned how to talk to each other in podcast form, uh-huh. and we're going to continue learning how to do that, um, particularly over the internet, because this is a new thing for us. But moving forward, I think what we're going to do is be talking about our weekly games that we run because it's it's just well, fun stories that we do. Not necessarily that we run, but oh, also ones well, that we play in as well. Yep. Yes. Ones that we are in. Game, yeah, that's, games we play. That's, that's a very good <laughs> What You know, soon it'll probably be maybe weekly games that we run. Yep. Maybe eventually. But for now in life, we, we are in one weekly game uh, and then, you know, any random one shots that we happen to do for people's birthdays like we just did for my sister, which was really fun. Yeah. And um, and then on top of that, just talk about maybe some D&D news that is related or some builds that we find fun or just general things that we want to talk about in D&D. So moving forward that's pretty much going to be the layout. We're talking about things relevant to D&D that's either personal or news-related, and then we're going to be talking about our weekly games and just talking about simple stories that we find to be really good. Yeah, just chatting, yeah. you know, like like we're at, like we're at a, a nice table in the backyard and just chatting about stuff, just you know? Just chatting. Yeah, just like a metaphoric backyard, D&D-related backyard tabletop mm-hmm. if you will yeah so first thing today i really want to talk about the build that you you talked about last time um because it was basically the iron man build yeah. um it's what it felt like it was great <laughs> yeah i you know i i think it's almost impossible to not make it feel like iron man anytime you go armor <laughs> artificer like oh yeah it's just you just gotta have to deal with it. <laughs> I really tried my hardest to make it seem more like, like secret agent gadgets and stuff like that. And it just, it just every time it was like, oh, and then this thing happens, and it's like the piece of the armor comes out. It's like, oh, that sounds like Iron Man. It's like, yep. Oh, all right. Well, okay. Just <laughs> it is I, what it it's is. Like you gotta embrace it. Yeah, I guess. Um, but. It was really cool for the character, and it's really cool when you can lean into it role play wise. 
um, because your character was like a bodyguard um, slash like uh, a higher up in a nobility society. Um, yeah. Personally watching people. I was kind so, of thinking of him like uh, like basically fantasy secret service. Yes. Yeah. And it really nailed the vibe. Um, and, you know, sometimes with those with those builds, it's sometimes a little tricky how they're going to work, especially with other characters that are kind of all in on their class, which you played with uh, my sister, who was a level 10 uh, wizard, mm-hmm. necromantic wizard. And then you played with a level 10 paladin, uh, mm-hmm. Oathbreaker, which was Sarah's uh, main class. And that was the one thing I was actually looking forward to going into this i was like ooh, i wonder how it is going to fare up against those you know joel who level. had you know level six spells versus like your highest spell did you get third level spells my highest my highest slot was third level but i couldn't learn any third level spells yet yeah okay it's kind of weird yeah. how it worked out yeah so just to give just in case you maybe too long didn't read on the last episode i ran a one shot for my sister for her birthday uh her background what or her backstory was um she was raised in a swamp by a hag um and then at one point she was sent away uh almost if you will if you are familiar with the dragon age origin story with uh morrigan and her mother flemeth it was very similar kind of similar to that vibe uh, morrigan who goes off and serves in a noble court uh, and Flemish just kind of goes off and we don't know what happens to Flemish. Joel kind of wanted to play on that. Um, and so I kind of went in and added in like, okay, the hag needs help. And the whole one shot is you guys need to go help the hag. So it kind of centered yeah. around her for her birthday. It was really fun. And, and Curtis's character was her bodyguard. And uh, it worked great. <laughs> it was very, very fun. It was, um, it definitely was very interesting. Uh, playing as because you know we were all casters to some degree um it's hard not to be in fifth edition these days honestly um (laughs) it's fair but uh yeah it was very interesting being one mostly a half caster but also a few other levels of non-caster so even the other half caster was ahead of me with spells you know Um, right so yeah, it was very interesting, but I think I kept up well. I think it I think it went pretty well. I, I really liked flavoring. One of my favorite things about playing Artificer is like reflavoring the way your spells look and work. Mm. Um it's just really cool. Like I think at one point I I said that was it sending or message? The I forget which one's which always. Oh, it, it was message right at the beginning. Yeah, right at the beginning, I, I needed to like yeah. send a quick message to my supervisor to let him know that uh, I was leaving with with her and uh, that I would be taking charge over her. And so I said that like because message takes a copper wire, so I said that out of like his sleeve, <laughs> like this copper wire extends out to his finger and then he presses it to his temple. So it literally was like the the secret service out here doing like it lit, was, like it this and then like getting fun. a message back and being like okay yep we're good to go <laughs> everything's good it, it's so fun to play on stuff like that especially in a fantasy setting because it's like we know what it is but in the character's perspective it's just like yep this is how it is and you get yeah. to use um 
the mechanics to a spell too the components to a spell are, are very fun yeah. to play with i love flavoring spells based on their components and yeah. um, you know i think someone who inspired that a lot was um liam o'brien in critical role with with caleb in campaign two was just like oh yeah the way he would flavor the wizard spells and the way he would just use the components and uh you know did it in a way that made sense for like casting a spell was really interesting mm-hmm. and so um well and big inspiration it's really fun to also play with that vibe too because especially in like a an arcane sense you know when you start dealing with spell books you are supposed to be interpreting it into your own yeah arcane code and sure. so when you take a spell or a spell book it's like your own arcane code so Almost every time that you, you could kind of think of it this way. Every time that, like, you cast a spell, every spellcaster will probably cast it a little bit different. Yeah. And I think that's kind of cool in the world. Like, they'll follow the same motions and use the same components. And it'll usually they're putting have their the own same... little flair on it. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, everyone, I, I agree with you. It's kind of like a fingerprint. Everyone connects with magic a slightly different way and it kind of shows yeah and that's when you can start getting like prodigies because they are playing with magic in a different way than the quote-unquote traditional way yeah right you can you know when you start getting that level of like that level of like mathematics you know and it's just the weirdest thing i'm getting on my my youtube shorts lately have just been a bunch of movie clips. And lately it's been this movie about Albert Einstein that I've never seen in my life. Um, but it's like all these moments where he's having these like crazy moments of like the pressure's like, you need to get out of my class. You're, you're interrupting it. And he's like, no, I already solved the problem. And he goes up and uh. it's, you know, and this like nerd, like he, he <laughs> it's like the nerd way of like a traditional person would be watching fight scenes. And this is the nerd way of, owning your professor yeah it's like but uh, i feel like it's kind of like that because it's like the nerdy op protagonist yeah you find your own equations two ways and yeah yeah, and i think we as players in role play can literally do that in our you know everyone usually has like a special color that their their magic is and it, it reflects their personality right yeah absolutely especially when you're dealing with like sorcerers who literally it's like from their essence the magic pulls forth you know yeah it just makes sense to have it be customized to reflect you as a character well do you want to talk a little bit about that build again to to, to reiterate um yeah sure and what did you think because i remember it was from from a a uh from a content creator out there yeah so it was from uh the d4 network um, D&D Deep Dive. So it starts as a first level fighter and then you take five levels of artificer and then you take a second level of fighter and then you take two levels of cleric and then after that you're just rogue all the way until you hit 20th level. Um, so uh, uh, basically the whole reason you take fighter two is uh, so that you can get um, well, you start with fighter so that you can get some heavy armor um, uh, and uh, a fighting style. And then fighter level two is for um, 
Action Surge, action which is surge. incredibly useful when you're trying to do a large amount of damage in one go. Yeah. Because um, you can basically do your whole turn of damage twice. And then uh, Artificer 5, you go all the way to 5 to get uh, extra attack. And you pick Armorer because it gives you all sorts of really cool bonuses. And the main reason you pick Armorer is because uh, in the Stealth Armored style, you get ranged uh, lightning launchers that do lightning damage. <laughs> um, but they still use your dexterity, which is important. And that was the thing that really felt Iron Man-y. In yeah. my opinion. Yeah, the, I Iron mean, Man, it, it literally is like his repulsors, like, boof, boof. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, um, and with the temp, with the cleric build, you took Tempest yeah. so you can maximize the damage. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So you take Tempest Cleric mostly just so that you can use the Tempest Cleric ability to once with your, using your, uh, uh, not divine intervention what's the other one? Oh, channel divinity channel divinity yes using your channel yeah. divinity you can cause all um lightning or thunder damage you do in one turn to be maximized so that it does yes. the max damage possible and then you just start taking rogue to get better with skills and get sneak attack um so kind of the the idea is to just be this kind of like his whole thought on the build was making a secret agent basically yes. in D D. And it worked so well. It was such a fun vibe. And I can only imagine how difficult that would, that something like that would be in an actual game. Oh, yeah. Um, because if I feel like, especially when you're taking more than two classes, it's going to be a while till it really feel like it comes online. Oh, yeah. And luckily, this was at level 10. So it was kind of like right at the sweet spot. It was almost perfect because 10th level is when you start taking Rogue and your first amount of sneak attack comes online. And so that's like, okay, you've got all your classes done, and now you're just continuing yeah. on Rogue. And so it was kind of the perfect level to be like, we're going to play at this level, and I would still get to feel the full effect of the class all coming together. Um, it was really fun. This is kind of a funny way to describe it, but it really kind of did feel a little bit Star Warsy, in a sense, because... Joelle's character was like a a sage <laughs> all about the magic and stuff. And she's the one that teleported you guys there and, and got you there. And then Sarah was kind of the, the tank like Jedi in a sense uh -huh. uh, who had the sword and she could smite things. She, she did get a critical hit and did, um, I think, 57, 56 sticks in my head uh, yeah, damage in like one that. attack. Yep. It, it's ridiculous. And then you had the agent character who was you, who was like talking to command and then kind of brought on this adventure like, okay, look, I'm just here to keep you safe. I have no idea what's yeah, going on. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally, the whole time I was like, we need to get across there. Um, uh, all right, I can do this. I don't really know why we're here, but I'll help you. <laughs> uh, just just for the sake of the narrative, um I had a, a dream sequence, a dream sequence right at the beginning with Joelle, and basically the whole reason why characters, uh, how why Curtis's character was there, uh, story wise, was because if they failed, um, there was a so, so basically there was a demon uh, that the hag was trading souls with, or, or devil that the hag was trading souls with. Originally, the hag had promised Joelle's soul. Or, or her character's soul years ago, 
Um, but sh- the hag sent her away to the courts, uh, has been hiding ever- and hiding her ever since. But it found out that Joel's character was still alive, uh, and hence for and the devil came collecting and captured the hag. And so basically, the hag was like, um, "You can come and try and kill her, uh, kill this, kill this devil." Um, but if you fail, a soul is required. So that was literally <laughs> the fail safe. And I have no idea of what would have happened because you guys destroyed that devil um, with a critical hit from the paladin. Um, yep. But also, Joel summoned a really cool like dragon spirit, which is a really fun yeah, Joel, spell. It was really cool seeing a necromancer in full fledged because Joel literally yeah. turned into like a summoner. She had two mm-hmm. corpses and a dragon spirit just doing all <laughs> of her fighting while she sat in the back. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It it was it was really fun. I, I was kind of in this this level of like because I knew she was a necromancer, so I knew I wanted to present that. And I was like, oh yeah, the devil is like kind of taking over this swamp at this point. So you know, a- anyone that happens to be in this area, the the place is you know, I had the whole place under an illusion from the hag, mm. um, but also the, the devil's here. So anyone that's come in, come into this place is, is dead. So, so there were just corpses it, laying around. It, it was very fun. It, it was, was a fun. very fun one shot. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so I think I did the calculation after, and um, basically, if I did completely average damage on a on a nova round, which would include. Um, two attacks with my lightning things, plus a bonus action attack with a uh, hand crossbow. Um, uh, and if I action surged and got sneak attack and then uh, maximized it all with my my cleric ability, my average damage... So that 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 means that the the d6 I'm doing with my crossbow is averaged. My average damage would be 69 damage in one turn at level 10. <laughs> with nice. with you yeah with using, you know, <laughs> only two resources, both of which aren't incredibly important, like no spell slots, no nothing, just just a a channel divinity and a and a Action surge. Yeah. It's like, and to be fair, you can only do that twice with your channel divinity and action surge once per short rest. So right. it wasn't necessarily broken, but no, stuff like but, that feels so good. Yeah. When you finally yeah. get the chance to just be like, oh, sweet. Bang. Like now, now's the time. Yeah, exactly. It, it has a, an element of, um, um, there, there's a, I believe it's the Sorlock. Um, where you can basically um, you use like Eldritch Blast and then like and then bonus action Eldritch Blast again and get like four beams. Yes, like it's it's a similar to that. Well, I mean, at, yeah. at at high levels, you would get ten beams if you did that. Yeah, but that's just two ability. This is a a, a different way of doing that. Yeah, <laughs> it was and, pretty cool. And it and it was really fun because you know it actually felt like each class was pulling its weight. You know, it didn't feel like, well, rogue isn't actually very useful. I only need it for this one thing. No, it was like, Oh yeah. Rogue gives me sneak attack, but also it gives me expertise, which 
as a secret agent is really cool. And really cool. like yeah. uh cleric, yeah, it gives me the the electronic or the the lightning damage bonus. Yeah, but as a secret agent, like I want to be able to have gadgets that help people and having access to those cleric spells that provide extra support is like awesome. And it's so cool. <laughs> um you know, the fighter that's in there is almost like my base level training is what I was kind of thinking of it. Like that's where I started was just an average really good fighter and then got all of my special training kind of on top of that, you know, it it was very fun. And it just kind of, it just like, it just worked. It was really interesting how literally five (laughs) separate classes just kind of actually worked together really well. If you happen to find that link, I will probably put the link in the description to that build. Um, That way, if if anyone happens to hear this and is like, hey, I want to check that out, we'll happily put it in the description so you. So, Go check that out. If it's not there, I apologize. Maybe comment and let me know. But it should be there. Yeah. Um, with that said, it, it was very fun. It was a fun one shot. It was very. Fun. I, I love one shots to to just try weird builds like this, which is mm-hmm. very fun. It's you know, it's it's basically two things. What I like about high level one shots is that you can either really get to feel what it's like to be a level fifteen paladin that you basically you know it takes you know, on average years to get to that point, a fighter of that level as well, or just what happens when I take two levels of every class? Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. There was one build I made myself a while back to see it was essentially meant to be like the, the Jack of all trades caster. And I wanted to make a build that literally had access to every single (laughs) cantrip. And it's like, it's pretty doable, honestly. And I just love the thought of like being this guy who's like, I don't really care about those high level spells. Cantrips are like great for everyday life. I just want to know all of them. You know, I want to be able to use thaumaturgy. I want to be able to make water move or make air move or clean things really well. Like it's the, almost like the, the perfect jack of all <laughs> trades caster, if, like, Oh man. So versatile and you has so much utility. <laughs> if you happen to find that you should bring it next time we record because that that would be I a really should. fun yeah, build to bring I'll, like I'll how do you get access hear. to every cantrip <laughs> class wise yeah <laughs> that's amazing oh man well i think this would really be a good spot for a sponsor but we don't have any sponsors so we're just going to go into the next topic <laughs> um curtis and i play and we <laughs> oh all right <laughs> That's uh if the if that's not a segue, I don't know what it is. Should we hey, should 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 we pause right now just in case mm. we do get sponsors in the future hey. so that we can retroactively come back and stick one right here. That that's a great idea. So we'll just pause right here. Just have a moment in <laughs> case we need it in the future. Well, definitely check out that sponsorship. Anyway, back to the podcast. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> um, I've been playing in a weekly Saturday morning game, and it has been 
really fun. Uh, we have talked about the these games on the podcast before. It is run by a, a great dungeon master. Um, he lives in India, and he loves Pathfinder. It is quite literally, he is the person that you could talk probably for a good four or five hours on on Pathfinder lore. And because he knows a lot of it, and he literally reads the Pathfinder modules for fun. Yeah, he reads them like like just novels. It is hilarious to me, and it's in, it's inspiring to me how uh, how much he just loves it. It's really fun to just talk to him about it. We uh, there are four of us in in our game, and we've been going through Reign of Winter, which is basically a Baba Yaga uh, campaign, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, really playing on the 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 lore of Baba Yaga. It has a lot of like Norse um, sprinkles in. I don't know, uh, Norse elements. It's a, a very. It's everything is winter and cold. Um, so you know, has a little bit of that Russian vibe. It, it's it's very fun. Um, and I particularly want to bring up this this moment. Um, and it's basically been set up. Um, Back in like session three of this um, campaign we are doing, we came across what uh, what session are you on now? Okay, so that's a good point. We are on, I believe we're on like six or seven. I think we're on. We just had section uh, session seven. Um, so you know, uh, probably about a good month ago at this point, mm-hmm. um, we had. A moment of run in and and essentially what happened is is just to give some background is winter is popping up all over the globe uh pockets of winter are popping up everywhere and we start in this town of heldron um and winter is very close by we uh, a pocket of winter has sprung up it's coming close to town and there's also been a missing noblewoman and us uh adventurers meet and we're going to go see if we can rescue the noble woman and see what's going on with all the winter. It was a slog. Holy crap. I know I have talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Man, yeah, every, every time I would, like, you guys would finish a session and I would just be watching the chat and it would just be like, well, <laughs> wow. It, it um, was, who's, who's alive? It was hard. <laughs> and I, we've even talked to Dib about this. And to be fair, he's having to like, to, to interpret Pathfinder rules and, and numbers and convert them to a 5e system because we are playing a 5e well, system. Yeah, so so to so to put it in a little bit of context, Pathfinder is a separate TTRPG, um, separate from Fifth uh, Edition D anD D, that is very very heavily based on the rule set of D anD D three point fifth edition, three point five yeah. edition, which was way more number heavy, way more number math grindy. Um, everything was like plus two bonuses or plus one bonuses. You didn't really have advantage. Um, it, it's just, it was a, it was a much heavier numbers game. And it was also because of that way more like minutely customizable. Like you could create a character that was just so far outside the realm of like, just, yeah, I'm a fighter 
level three uh mm-hmm. warrior. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm I'm a fighter that's also uh I have this background and because of that background I gain this feat and because of that feat I have access to these three abilities and because of those three abilities put together I have this bonus to this attack and because of that I have like <laughs> it, it's so It sounds like Curtis is exaggerating. He's not. It it no, really is I'm like not. this. Um and you know and some people love that, and, and it's great. And yeah, and if it's your thing, by all means, it's it's not necessarily something for the faint of heart. And if, but if you are a numbers person, and that's just how your mind thinks, you could totally jump into it. Um, yeah, but tr- you know, tra- transitioning monsters and creatures and NPCs who are made for that kind of system into fifth edition, which is much more simplified mm-hmm. and less deadly, yeah. it's a task. It really is. Uh, and so, you know, he, he's now been doing it for a few years now. So he's getting better, uh, for sure. Um, and, and he's kind of developed his system. And in fact, I think we're going to talk about how exactly he does that. So in the future episode, I might be able to talk a little bit more about that. Um, but it, it was a slog. It's like, it was, it was also, I think, a good way. I mean, I think it was a little bit necessary. I think it was a little bit on the deadly side versus the hard side. Um, so it was like, we got to the point of just being very like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Like my character right off the bat, like from a trap gets knocked to zero hit points. We have to go back to town. We have to spend mm-hmm. the night there and come back out. It, and we basically push, it's cold. So it's like, we're re- making con saves for, for frostbite, et cetera, et cetera. So it really has been a, a slug. And some modules are just meant to feel like that. Yeah. Uh, And so I think it really is just kind of setting up the system, which kind of talks about, I'm going to particularly be talking about a moment that's a great setup that just paid off in the last session. Um, So I, I, you know, now that I'm talking about it, I think that's what it probably was, is really setting us up for, you guys are going to be in for a heck of an adventure that's going to happen. We get, to a point where we're getting very close to the center of what we believe is the the center of this um, winter pocket. When we come across a hut with chicken legs and a very creepy doll sitting on the porch of this small hut. Uh, And if any of you know um, (laughs) Baba Yaga lore, uh, that sounds uh, very similar to her hut. Now, uh, in Pathfinder, it, it is a little bit different. So um, I'm 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 gonna space on the names right now because there's names for all these places. But essentially, in this far far north place, there are sentries that are essentially Baba Yaga's hut because Baba Yaga has made this continent um, centuries ago, uh, and so it's kind of like a mirror of all these different legends of her. So she, her traditional hut were basically converted into these sentries. Uh, and so there's a bunch of them all around, but none of our characters have ever heard of that. Uh, and there is a doll in each of those huts, and they're all theorized to contain the soul of a young child girl. Um, so we we come up to this hut, and it is a haunting in Pathfinder, which you might be a little bit similar to a haunting um, in Pathfinder, there are haunting, which are basically encounters, 
but they're not necessarily for combat. They are encounters with a, a difficulty level um, that usually cause things to happen, whether that be fear or murderous thoughts or um, anger coming into your soul and, and you start turning on the part. It's, it's things like that. You're making these saves in order to prevent you from, uh, or, or uh, to prevent you from being taken over by these areas of, of evil. Sometimes loss of character levels or uh, um, uh, ability score points or even stuff yeah. like that. And so it, it's a different style of combat and it they can be really fun uh, some might find them a little bit tedious um but it, it does kind of bring this element of like different eeriness uh and we wound up seeing a ghost of a young girl um we didn't realize it was a ghost we didn't find that out till later because she she disappeared on us we wound up um rushing the hut destroying the doll uh and basically uh setting fire to the hut because it was like it was a, a very intense moment, uh, and we were kind of like, this is evil, we need to destroy it. And there was some debating going on. Obviously, it didn't happen that quick. Um, and we explored the hut. That was about three or four sessions ago. Fast forward to now we are have reached to the center of the winter pocket. There was a black rider that came out of a portal that was there, uh, and that's part of the story because there essentially there are three horsemen that usher in um, the return of Baba Yaga uh, every 100 years. This is the uh, normal thing in the start of this adventure that these riders have not shown up. We find the black rider. He charges us with uh, ushering in Baba Yaga. We, she has apparently been captured and we have to go free her. We go through the portal and the first group we meet is a um, group of people that are northerners that are from this place, and they are fighting a giant, huge uh, praying mantis. Uh, and it's just a really cool image. It was He posted the picture of it. It's like this bright green praying mantis, huge, and this like, um, like paradise of winter all around. <laughs> and these like, Des these, like Viking-looking yeah. people rushing in to like attacking it. It was, it was really fun. We help these people, and we befriend the leader of that group, Nadia. Are you with me so far? Is this is this? I'm with you so far. So you burned down you burned down a hut with a creepy doll where you got haunted. You went through a portal where a black rider told you that now you have to bring in uh, Baba Yaga's uh, return, and then you went through that portal and helped a bunch of Northerners fight a praying mantis, and that made Nadia like you because uh, she's the leader of those uh, people. Yes. Exactly. Thank you. That's, that was a summarize. <laughs> Maybe I'll just put a timestamp up on screen and just be like, if you don't like Jake explaining this, jump to this timestamp. TLDR, go here. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Yeah, so we, we befriend Nadia. She takes us back to the village, which eerily looks like a mirror of Heldron, the place that we were all met at. Very, very trippy, very eerie. And it was just like, us as players were just like, what the heck is going on? Well, we befriend Nadia. She has a family, two sons um, that we, we meet. She takes us back to her home. And through the course of the session, we're kind of 
exploring the town, but also trying to keep a low profile. Um, but everyone in the town isn't treating us very well. They're, they're viewing us as outsiders, but Nadia is being very kind to us. And it's, it's almost a little bit off-putting. And, and e- even like from Jake's perspective I'm, and, and from my character's perspective, I was kind of like, that doesn't feel right. She, Nadia is like a survivalist. She's a leader. And why is she suddenly being nice to these outsiders where everyone else in this town doesn't necessarily like us? Well, we wound up learning a little bit more about about her and why she was um, on the, the journey that we rescued her. She had supplies that were apparently very important to her. Apparently, we learn at the end of that session that Nadia has a daughter that was taken captured by the leader of the area that works for the the higher-ups. There's essentially the white witches that um, are the daughters of Baba Yaga that Baba Yaga every 100 years replaces. For the latest one uh, has not been replaced. But there are noble houses all around that kind of um, watch the neighborhood or the the neighboring areas. Mm-hmm. Nadia explains her daughter was taken captured because she made a joke about the the noblewoman of this area. And in order to get her freed, she had to get supplies and bring them in for a tax. And once she brought in those supplies, she could negotiate the return of her daughter. And this was the moment that I, I Jake, was just kind of listening to this thing as, as my character just watching. Sarah's face basically does, and this is a pot in the video format. I'm going to do this. She does this. Oh, and she, and I was like, did I miss something? What did I miss? And then my, another person goes, and I'm like, what is, what is going on? Apparently she starts describing her daughter. And describing the the look of the the braids, uh, looking about seven years old, um, and uh, that it told a, that she told a joke. Flashing back to the moment at the hut, the first thing that that ghost tells us of the little girl is, "I'm sorry, I made fun of you. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it." I had completely missed that in my notes and whatever. So apparently, and and we turned to the the notes that we took, word for word, it was exactly what that that ghost was. And so basically, Nadia's daughter was the doll from that hut, and I you that we destroyed and burned down. And I was like. What the heck? That was cool. That was something. It's like, you know, I was talking to Sarah the, about this. I was like, in, in our culture, you know, cursed dolls are a fairly common thing. But that was a really cool way to make something that was like mundane or it's like just something creepy that we're brushing off. It's another spooky doll or or whatever, however mundane yeah. we take it and just make it personal to the characters. Yeah. You know, and I was like, dang, that was a really cool setup and payoff that we all did. I, I, completely out of the blue that that a couple of the players during the moment uh, pieced together. 
it was not explained to us. It was just something we all pieced. And it was just a really cool moment. That's so cool. I love it when, especially when it's like episodes later or not episodes, but sessions yeah. later, you know, if that happened in like the same session, it would have clicked so much quicker, right? You would have been like, oh, but the fact that it was like sessions later, it was very much like, wait, <laughs> oh no. You know, it was that moment of like, I love it when that happens, when one person recognizes before everyone else and everyone sees their face and starts going, wait, what are we missing? And then one other person goes, oh, and then one person, it's like dominoes watching it fall. Like the people pick it up one after another. It's so good. It was so good. And it was a fun moment because I didn't catch on to it that fast. And so as my character, I was able to kind of be like, well, what, what's going on? Um, and, and like Sarah had this really cool moment where she pulls Nadia aside uh, and explains that all to her. And it was my character also kind of being like, so I, I got to have that like almost oneness with my character of like figuring it out. And it, it was just something that was yeah very well paid off. And, and just kind of the, the, that I feel like that whole intro of just that slog and, and it like starts wearing on you as a player and it, yeah. as your character, it kind of going through the same thing. And then, for just some cool personal payoffs for for those those setups was cool. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. Awesome. Well, that was my story, and I'll be we'll be bringing more more up. I, Curtis had a crazy moment this past Friday. Speaking of uh, setups and payoffs, <laughs> <laughs> great. Talk about the uh, the biggest payoff of all. Uh, the final boss fight in a years long campaign. Um, so, uh, our last session that we played on Friday night, same DM, uh, dip from, uh, India, um, uh, has been taking us through a campaign called rise of the rune Lords, which is a very, very, very famous pathfinder campaign. Uh, uh, I think it's rated number one on, on most things for pathfinder. Yeah. Yeah. And it has been very good. Um, and Jake started playing it with us, but then, you know, had to go and get married. And But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, so, so I mean, it, it, this is the first time I've run through a campaign, one, that's this long, mm-hmm. two, that went to this high of a level, and three, that actually has, like, come to a full-fruited conclusion. Yes. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, so it's been incredibly satisfying. And man, that fight was insane. Um, so essentially, yeah, so so uh, I'm going to put this pretty, pretty quickly because superior details are not necessarily needed. And this is also a years long campaign, so it would be really hard to explain it all. So I, I play a character named Ko, and he is a um, Air Genasi monk first and uh, rogue secondary. He's fourteen levels of monk and three levels of rogue. So we uh, hit seventeenth level in this campaign, and um, it's been really fun playing this character because I've been playing him as like the wise. Uh, you know, almost like voice of reason in the party. It's been really mm-hmm. cool, but we can talk about the characters later. Yeah. Um, we uh, we 
have been basically going through this whole campaign trying to find the source of these like risings of this ancient ancient uh, society or a kingdom that was like 10,000 years old and is all ruins now, but we see these ruins everywhere. Um, and we found out that one of the leaders of this mage-ruled society was coming back. He had figured out a way to cheat death and uh, was slightly off on his calculations, though, and got stuck in this stasis for way longer than he was meant to. Um, but he's this incredibly powerful wizard who is just uh, entirely focused on the school of um, transmutation, right? Transmutation. Yes, it's all based on. So this this old society was almost based on like the seven sins, and he was the the leader of greed. Mm -hmm. And so transmutation is turning lead to gold. What better thing for greed to be the leader of? Each each magic. Uh, school basically had a sin attributed right. to it. Like enchantment was lust, um, evocation, rage, yeah. or wrath, things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so he was the 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 uh, leader of greed, and his name is Karzug, which is a, a really cool yeah. name, by the way. <laughs> so uh, we we basically fought through this huge tower uh, that was at the pinnacle of basically the highest mountain in this land, uh, in this mountain range. Um, and it was called the Pinnacle of Avarice, which is also a great name. Tons of great names in this book. really good at naming things, I have to admit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we finally get to his inner sanctum, and we travel through this portal to get to um, his... Uh, basically this stasis plane that he has saved himself on but has been unable to escape from and finally get to fight him not one-on-one -on -one, but one-on well, I guess it was pretty even but uh, <laughs> we had an angel friend on our side who had been summoned to this tower to uh, uh, do their dirty oh my work gosh. but we, uh, we saved her from uh, their control and brought her with us uh, and then, so we got into this place okay. and inside and of just this place. Just a little side note. I love the fact when you start getting to like level 14, 15, 16, that that's when you start dealing with like yeah. angels trapped in places and you free them and now they're oh, going to yeah. come along with don't, you. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm really glad we saved this angel because literally all of us fighting it by itself, it probably would have killed two oh, of us. Oh my God. This guy was strong gal i should say um but in any case uh we finally get into this inner sanctum and uh it's karzug there and he's flying like 50 60 feet in the air his face is like coated in jewels that are like embedded in his skin and his hands because he's like all based in greed he's got these flowing green robes this terrible mean look on his face um and he is uh, flanked on one side by a blue dragon <laughs> and on the other side by what's known as a rune giant in Pathfinder. Right. Uh, they are a specific uh, uh, style of giant that has since gone extinct, essentially, but were the 
uh, basically highest rank of giant that you can get. And they were specifically created and put in place by this 10,000 year old kingdom um, and were thought to be all gone, but apparently are not. They are like 60 feet tall and incredibly powerful. Um, and then, uh, so it was the, the rune giant and the dragon on either side of him. And then on either side of us, as we enter this place are two storm giants <laughs> sitting there with lightning bolts ready. As soon as we oh, walk man. in, I just love how you said ready. <laughs> Lightning bolts ready, just sitting there waiting to go. Whoosh, oh my god! You know, lots of lightning. Um, Blue it, dragon, storm it, giants. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was insane. Um, our whole session was just this fight. We ended the session before entering the room and seeing the surroundings, and then uh, Dip graciously <laughs> gave us uh, a, a whole a week, week to, to essentially. <laughs> think about it and plan and talk to each other he was like no 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 you can metagame a little you're gonna need it (laughs) (laughs) um and we sure did man uh it it was crazy so our party composition was a, a a druid a um a rogue slash uh why am i forgetting the name right now not hunter oh ranger uh Ranger, a rogue slash ranger. I think she was a hunter subclass, um, though. Correct. No, she was a night stalker, dark stalker. Oh. No, you're right. She might have been hunter. I don't know. I don't okay. Know. Anyway, sorcerer, warlock, kind of mix build, um, along with our angel friend. Jesus. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, you know. We had our healer, we had our, yeah, the druid, we had our druid healer, uh, the angel could do a little bit of healing and hit really hard, Uh, uh, the rogue uh, was really good at doing ranged tons of damage in one round with her sneak attack and everything, and she had a special bow that did specifically extra damage to Karzug, and then there was me who who would basically run around and punch things and try to stun them. But um, I also had these really cool gauntlets that gave me a 15-foot reach. Oh, nice. Punching force <laughs> pulses at people, basically, uh, that I was able to make with dip. Uh, those were really cool. Nice. So a homebrew magic item then? Kind of. It was basically taking the uh, Eldritch Claw tattoo oh, magic right. item and turning it into a, a physical item. Gotcha. Um that could be used like once a day and had slightly different effects. But, um, so yeah, so essentially the whole fight was just like literally right off the bat. He casts meteor swarm. He's got (laughs) multiple ninth level spells. There's a lair action. He has legendary actions. The dragon has legendary actions. These are two people in one. Oh my gosh. With legendary actions against us. Oh man! Uh, and and uh, lair actions. So literally every round we were getting like, okay. So our saving grace was that our uh, uh, our rogue ranger had one more arrow of dragon slaying left. Oh, nice! Which does an extra like eight d six damage or like six d eight damage if you hit a dragon with it. Um, 
and and we luckily killed the dragon in the first round. Oh my god! <laughs> because we we all just were like, that's gonna be bad because it's gonna fly around everywhere. Let's take it out right now. So the angel went and slashed it a bunch. Uh, uh, I didn't even get to it. I think it was dead by my turn. Oh my turn. gosh. That's pretty cool. The angel plus our sorcerer plus our rogue ranger all focused this thing and killed it right away. Luckily, it didn't have a ton of health. So it was it was probably like an adult dragon. It wasn't really an ancient or anything. He, he said it was somewhere between um, young and adult. Okay. It wasn't quite adult okay. in health. Gotcha. Um, but it had legendary actions like mm-hmm. an adult. Um, in any case, the thing that actually ended up like destroying us were those, uh, giants slinging lightning mm. at us, man, it did so much damage. Like, uh, our sorcerer through this whole thing went down, I think maybe eight times, like got to zero hit points and then brought right back up. <laughs> Jeez. Well, literally right at the end. So 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 right at, so we get towards the end right and it's just us and the main wizard we've taken care of everything else um apparently when we kill the rune giant it had the storm giants under some sort of spell so as soon as we killed the rune giant the storm giants uh-huh. were on our side actually but all they could do was throw their lightning which helped us a couple times but so right towards the end he manages to escape a counter spell and casts disintegrate on our druid oh and turns him to dust did, oh no did the druid die while it's just him so the druid's name was loyal yeah um and uh uh he hits him with a disintegrate and loyal's gone no way and we're and we're like oh now it's do or die yeah if any of us die now we're dead, dead. He's the only one who can bring people back. Yeah. Um, and he knew that. So literally every single round he was using all his legendary actions to get uh, the sorcerer down because he was the only one who could be doing counter spells. Mm. And he would get him down and I would run over, shove a potion <laughs> in his mouth and then come back because I was hasted. I took a potion of haste. Oh, this whole fight I was hasted. Mugs hasted is... is- a very so I would thing. go use my hasted action to shove a potion in his mouth and then run back and punch him a bunch. Um, and <laughs> so literally, fashion. I was we were out of resources. I was just punching him. Our rogue uh, was just shooting him with arrows. And our sorcerer, when he was up, was trying to counterspell and just hit him with whatever cantrips he had left. Oh my gosh. Like, we had nothing. And it was just turning into like this slog and Finally, 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 after literally almost all of us dying a couple times, uh, I managed to get the final hit oh, on nice. him because I'm the monk. That's yeah. what we do. Amen. And I and I and I played it out that I leapt up finally, and he hadn't been paying much attention to me because I'm just a dude trying to punch him. What does he care about me? <laughs> and finally, he turns and looks at me and goes, "Oh." And sees my fist and it just punches the jewel in the center of his head so hard that it goes shooting through his skull and out the back. <laughs> that was your, how do you want to do this? Like a Magneto moment in, uh, in, uh, 
uh, first class. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It was so good. And then right at the end, we're like, yes. And then his thing called a rune well that's been in the center of the room this whole time explodes. A rune well is basically his like source of power. It's a well of his power. And it's been siphoning souls this whole Mm -hmm. time to try and heal him. When he dies, it explodes. And we all have to roll constitution saving throws. I'm like, oh, (laughs) no. I have pretty good health, but they're both within the tens, right? Like 10 to 15 health. Um, And so it explodes. They both fail. (laughs) And I succeed. And I'm like, KO's the only one leaving. I'm the only one walking out of here. Are you kidding me? I think they're dead. The con save was to see if they got permanently blinded by the blast. Oh. And they did. No. It wasn't dying. It wasn't getting hurt. They got permanently blinded from the blast. But all of the souls in the well, one of which was loyal, were released and healed us. And we got put back on the normal plane and loyal comes back dude because his soul was in in the well dude <laughs> it was it was insane we all got out and i'm like oh i'm not the only one left and then i turn and look and it's loyal there and my character just goes <laughs> and just like falls into his lap just like just You're like alive. crying so <laughs> yeah Oh, it was so good. I mean, I mean, imagine having this fight after years, years of trying to get to this guy. And and it was insane. I just, okay. I think the blind, the permanent blinded is so cool as as just from a character perspective, because that's like a, that's like a scar. That's like something it's like. Well, and well, and so I was kind of thinking that way too, but. The angel died before any okay, of this. Okay, okay. Um, it got taken out pretty early, but it came back at the end too. Okay. And it has a literally, it has a specific healing ability where it can remove uh, blindness or deafness okay, from okay, a person. Okay, So, the- And so, it, so uh, it did go and heal them and that was its last like, this is what I'll do for th- to thank you kind of a thing. Which was really cool, cool because us saving that angel was also really fun. <laughs> uh, having well, that companion of that's the heavens. That's just kind of going us. back to a little bit like your, your choices can really matter, and you the the fact that you, absolutely if if you didn't save that angel, you know, well if we didn't save that angel, we probably wouldn't. That fight would have been real bad. <laughs> <laughs> it did dude, so much dude. damage, man. Oh. Um. That that yeah, that's really it was, cool. It was that great. sounds like a great boss fight, and that's just like he just comes down with dragons and giants all around him. That's so dope. So, dude, so- meteor swarm and like he's shooting uh, disintegrates and power word kills at us every other way, and he's doing like uh, he had a spell called Diamond Skin, which is a Pathfinder spell or Diamond Form, which made his AC like. 24 as a wizard as a wizard nice is insane he could cast shield at will oh that's dope no slots that's no dope. nothing at and will so essentially for a reaction it's, 
I mean, he has one reaction. So essentially, but... his his AC was like super 20, high the whole time. Yeah. It, it, we had to beat like a twenty seven or something the whole. Th- yeah, it was That's insane. Dope. Well, so that means next session though is epilogue time. Yeah, and next session we have to uh, we have to find out how to get home because we're at the top of this mountain still where there's it's basically like being at the top of Everest where there's no oxygen, it's super cold, <laughs> um, so we have to we have to get out of there first and survive, and then um, we got to get home and tell everybody that the world is saved, and nobody will be any the wiser because. You went, These guys you, hadn't even you guys like went to fully a formed dimension. and attacked yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like there wasn't actually many signs of them imminently attacking, even though they were about to. It was all conspiracy so, stuff, you know, which is fun. Yeah, we'll be heroes to one small yeah. town that they managed to attack. Well, I am looking forward to next week when you get to talk about the epilogue, and then after oh, that, yeah. you're going to be starting a new campaign in the continuation of. The Crimson Throne yes. saga, or whatever it happens to be, the books. Uh, yeah, so it's so it's basically the next. So Rise of the Rune Lords is the first in a in a in a series of four chapters. Yeah, um, that all kind of have a same a similar flow um, where they're all on the same timeline and revolve around similar threads. Um, so new characters, but another level one to seventeen. And, campaign. and I have it on good so. resources. You are about to go into Dip's favorite um, module, reading wise. Yes, <laughs> this 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 is his favorite. Yeah, yeah. And I'm playing a uh, a fighter wizard. So that'll, that'll be, be fun. very fun. I'm playing a bard, by the way. I know I didn't say that, and that's what we're going to be continuing on. Uh, we we for for us next week, I'll be talking about probably our adventure to the Pale Tower. To avenge uh, Nadia's daughter, because it's very sad. Yeah. So I, I'm. It's really funny that I, I I brought maybe a sad moment, and you brought a pretty epic final battle moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it was. The, yeah, it was so much. The fun. last thing I want to say is uh, a, a a a plotting dip because he was quite literally running your game in the morning his time, which is like he was telling us like. Yeah, this morning, one person would be doing, like, 46 damage. And then tonight... Easy. I'm playing with you guys, and, and we, you did four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's playing... He's he's literally, in the morning, running a campaign with 17th level players who are literally, in one round, doing upwards of 60 damage. And then in the evening, running another campaign with a bunch of low-level people that have, like, 16 health. We we just (laughs) hit level three. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. That's great. Well, that was an awesome story, Chris. I can't wait to to next week to hear about the epilogue. Thank you guys so much for for listening. Um, This was a lot of fun. Uh, I think I'm going to really enjoy this new this new uh, layout, this new talking about our games because it's it's fun to hear about your games. It's fun to share. I, I really hope people enjoy hearing stories about TTRPGs. You know, there's so many podcasts out there that are like you just sit and watch the game, but you know, there's some pretty pretty popular video channels who that's all they do. You know, they just tell stories about D and D games and. You know, I, I feel like it should be a podcast. Yeah. You know, I feel like that would be a lot yeah. of fun. And so I, I hope we're able to uh, supply that yeah. to some people. Well, I hope so too, Curtis. 
Thank you so much for listening slash watching, and we will see you in the next episode. Yes, we will. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>